Genesis chapter 28. Hallelujah. Good to see the life in the house of God. Amen. You know, um, your pastors, it's being almost like being raised by kind of the same dad in a sense. Dr. Evans had such an impact on you, such an impact on Dr. Barclay. And of course, he came to our church for 30 years every year. I, you know, set it up. He always said, I don't care what you preach, just burn. Amen. I don't care what. I, I love this worship team because no matter what they sing, they burn for God. Amen. I love that. I don't care what service it is and who the speaker is, but burn for God. Don't just get up there. Amen. Like a wet blanket. Dear Lord, have a little fire in you. Amen. Praise God. But here in, in Genesis chapter 28, it's kind of a long story, but let's read it into the record in verse 10. It says, it says this, it says, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and he went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. He took one of the stones of that place and he put it at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels, say the angels. I've been amazed how many times pastors have been talking about the angels here in these services. There the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Behold, the Lord stood above it, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abram, your father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Imagine being a young man, right? You know, you're not even married yet. God's saying, you're, you're going to touch the whole world. Jacob, at this time, is honestly, his brother Esau hates him. The reason he's leaving is because his own parents are concerned Esau is going to kill him. I've had some family squabbles. We've never gone that far. I don't want to start now. Hallelujah. And that's where he's at, and he's leaving his mother, Rachel, has a brother named Laban. He's going to leave, and he's going to go stay with Laban. And, um, and when he gets over there, you know, all of these, all of these things are going to happen. Let's just kind of keep reading because, you know, it's, it's a different day today from where this, this young man is at. He can't Google Laban. He can't find him on Facebook. He, there's no Google Maps to show you where to go. Right? You're just out there, brother. You're just out there. So he's on his way, and God says, I'm here with you. This isn't for nothing. I'm going to guide you through this dark time in your life. Just because you're away from your parents doesn't mean you're away from your God. I'm going to go with you as you go. And so he gives him this promise. Verse 15, behold, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken. We sang it tonight. God's good for his word. Amen. Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. That's a whole sermon. We've got a lot of that going on in churches today. God's in the house, and they don't even know it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the gate of heaven. Jacob arose early in the morning and took the stone that was put at his head. He set it up as a pillar, and he poured oil upon it, and he called the name of that place Bethel because it had been called Luz previously. I just take a side note here. What he's doing is he's setting up a memory for himself. You ought to remember what the Lord has done for you. 
When David said, I've killed the lion and the bear, he's remembering his victories. Well, I was having dinner with Pastor Mrs. Willoughby and, and Brother Caleb. In, in the middle of that, she began to talk about how she was raising her granddaughter to remember the time she had good courage. That's scriptural. You remember, don't rem- let the devil remind you of all your failures. You remember your victories. Amen. It's said that on the, on the shepherd's staff, they would etch different symbols to remind them of their victories. Dr. Barclay used to teach us all the time. He said, you should keep a shepherd's staff, a, a reminder of the things you've done that God has touched you. I have a record on, on my phone I keep of the different things the Lord has done for me over the course of time. Getting filled with the Holy Spirit was one of the first miracles I ever had in my life. I was raised Lutheran. We didn't get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Amen. We were what, Lutheran fed, Lutheran bred, Lutheran dead. Amen. You, we didn't have a move of the Holy Spirit. That was forbidden. You understand? I had to unlearn some things and relearn some things. The day I got married to Janine, that was on my shepherd's staff. There was a day that was a prayer. My children were a prayer. I prayed for them, but not yet. <laughs> You'll understand that someday, hopefully. Amen. And, and But my point is, is that all of these things, and then when you come into a battle, you remember, God will work with me. God will help me. God, God will take care of me. And he sets this pillar up to remind his brain, say his brain. Your brain will forget things when you get in battle. You got to train it. Amen. Think like a warrior. Think like a champion. And uh, so that's what he's doing. And he, he marks this place in verse 20. It says, and Jacob made a vow saying, if God will keep me and will be with me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I may come back to my father's house in peace then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone on which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, surely I will give a tenth, we would say a tithe, back to you. It's almost identical to what Abraham's response was when Abraham won the battle, that he went back and he gave Melchizedek 10%, right, the beginning of the tithe. This thought in mind, go with me to chapter 32. Because over the course of time, we'll pick it up here at verse 9. Over the course of time, Jacob goes to work for his uncle Laban. Laban is what I would call a jerk. <laughs> Maybe you don't have any of those people here in Oshkosh. This is the holy city. Where I'm from, they're around. Laban, they set up his pay. Laban changes it. He works at, Laban changes it. Ten times he changes his pay scale. Oh, he had to be a wonderful uncle. The family business. All the family business is going to his sons. None of it's coming to, amen. None of it's coming to help Jacob. And, and yet, and yet, God preserves Jacob. God takes care of Jacob. Jacob falls in love with one of Laban's daughters and he falls in love with Rachel and he says, that, you know, I'm going to marry her. And so they, they agreed to get married and, and, you know, they had real thick veils back in that day. And he woke up in the morning, he's married the wrong girl. Now, seriously, can you imagine what this guy is like? You're immersed in this atmosphere. This guy, can, in a sense, you can feel like he controls your future. Now, he doesn't, but it can feel that way. And then he works seven years, and he, he gets the girl that he wanted. But you know, God, in his greatness, 
blesses both families. God is, if somebody takes advantage of you, just let God go to work. And God can, can make beautiful things begin to happen even when man has mistreated you. Can you say amen? amen? I love the fact that God would never treat you the way people do. But even if people do mistreat you, God can bring beauties from their horrors. Can you say amen? amen? And in the middle of all of this, God speaks to him. and He says, now I want you to go back. And so Jacob devises this plan when he gets close. He separates the two families, and he says, now, if if Esau attacks, you run, and he can't attack both families. So if he comes at one, you the other will get away, and then vice versa. So that's kind of his plan. And he comes back here, and he hits that rock where he had had that vision so many years before. And this is what he says. Well, let's pick it up here. Verse 9, and then Jacob said, O God of my father, Abraham, God of my father, Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of all the mercies and of all the truth, say truth, which you have shown me your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff and now I have become two companies. God, when you and I sat down and we made this agreement, my whole income was one stick. It's not hard to keep track of your bank account. Uno sticko. That's all you got. Spanish version. And in the middle of all of that, he stops and he realizes, even though Laban has mistreated me, even though people have mistreated me, even though he did this to manipulate me and to hurt me, as long as I would continue to tithe and as long as as I honored my commitment, say commitment, People have to get committed to the things of God. And just because life doesn't come out the way you want it, don't deviate from the things of God. Amen. And as long as he would stay with that, the blessing of the Lord continued to be poured out upon him. Can you say amen? That thought in mind, let's go to the New Testament. Let's go back to the book of Matthew. Chapter 13, verse 44. Jesus talking. And he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. What you're in today is a treasure. It's hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. So he he decides that what he's found is greater than everything he's already possessed. And he's willing to sell it all just to get this. Just to get this. And then let's read on in 45. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking a beautiful pearl. And when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and he sold all that he had and he bought it. So it's it's the same thing, just a little different wording. But he says, This thing that he found has become so valuable that he would walk away from everything else to obtain to have this. Folks, that's real Christianity. Today, we're almost taught that you can kind of keep this and keep that and and no real change. But Jesus doesn't teach that. Jesus says, "If if you'll turn back, you're not worthy to keep plowing. 
<laughs> when I, I was born in 1963, which would sound like a million years ago to some and others who say, what a kid. Amen. I'm, I'm with the what a kid people. Amen. The hippie era hit in about the 60s, right? And, and people had long hair and, and all of these things. And, and there was a sign somebody put out in front of their store one day. And this, you know, there wasn't all of the different ways to advertise to hire people. So they put a sign out in front of their store and it made national attention because the sign said, long-haired hippie people need not apply. Sorry, long-haired freaky people need not apply. In other words, you're not a candidate if you're not going to clean up a little bit. Today, we are so inclusive that we don't think about this part of our God. God says, if you're arrogant, no need to apply. I resist the proud. I'm near to the humble. He who has a clean hands and a pure heart, but who may ascend to the house of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. If you're not going to purify your heart, don't apply for leadership. Do you understand? God is not inclusive. God loves all. The whosoever will may come, but when you come, there's, there's qualifications to your coming. Amen? If you're not going to leave certain things behind, you need not apply. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, I love everybody. I, you know, everybody, you don't start off perfect. You don't end perfect. You just work on it your whole life. But at the same time, there has to be some things that you shed in order to walk with God. Amen? Yeah. You know, if you, I, I see the worship team here. There, there's probably practices to be part of the worship team. There's probably requirements to be part of the worship team. And you can have a really good heart and be really lazy, and you're not part of the worship team. That's right. You can have a really good voice right. and a really bad heart. This isn't American Idol. This isn't America's Got Talent. And contrary, you can have a really good heart, and if you sing like a dog... We're going to want you to work on that a little while. You might get a microphone without a battery in it. Hallelujah. We're going to, you got a good heart. Let's work on the other part for a little while. Amen. Our, but you know, our worship leader is a guy named Craig Lang. Craig Lang used to sing in the shower and his wife would come in and say, honey, hush it down. Now he's our worship leader. He had a good heart. The voice came later. He'll be leading praise and worship during invasion. One of, the, one of my best friends. It didn't start out that way. You know what I'm talking about? The heart will bring the other things, but if the heart is wrong. When I was a kid, we, we had a German shepherd dog. His name was Ranger. He was wonderful. Anything you want a Ranger would do, you say, he was, German shepherd is wonderful. This, this squirrel would run tree to tree to tree in our backyard. One day the squirrel misstepped and it hit the deck. Well, my dog had been waiting for that for like years. That squirrel hit the deck and Ranger ran over and grabbed it. My father looked at him. He said, Ranger, drop it. You know, that German shepherd reached down, let that little squirrel go and off it ran. Anything, he just would listen. Over the course of time, the German shepherds do his hips got bad. He had to be put down. We got another dog and he would follow my mom room to room to room to room to room. So we called him Shadow. 
Shadow was strong. We had an old bowling, bowling ball in our backyard. I don't know why. My brother and I, you know, there was a flood and we went alley picking. And somebody was throwing away. This was the original eBay. We go garbage picking. We brought, I don't know why. Oh, bowling balls bringing it. We didn't even bowl. We just had to have it because you're throwing it away. So we brought that bowling ball home. You know, that dog would get that bowling ball. He'd get his teeth in those holes just right. He'd pick it up. He was strong. I'd throw a stick and, and he would never bring it back. Ranger, bring it back and drop it and just wait for you to do it again. Shadow, bring it. He'd stop about four feet away and look at you. And then I'd chase him down and I'd, I'd make him drop it. And I'd throw it again. Next time he wouldn't even drop it again. He, he just, I had to chase him around the back. Shadow, come, 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 come. <laughs> Drove me nuts. One day I picked up the stick and he was hanging off the end of it. Spinning around. I'm looking at him and he's looking at me. And I finally got so dizzy I set him down again. It's the stupidest dog I ever met in my life. Do you know he was smarter, stronger than my first dog? He just was never submitted. He would not listen to anything you said. He was so distracted, you'd let him outside. He might go to our backyard. He might go four houses down. You never knew. You can have all the wisdom and all the genius and all the whatever and come into the house of God. If you can't listen to the leadership of this house, all you'll do is frustrate yourself and frustrate the house of God. You have to take a time to bring all those skills and all those talents and all the things you've been taught and submit them to the vision of this house. And say, Pastor, how can I help you here? Otherwise, you're just running around. Well, I know more than you. You probably do, Shadow. I got more money. Yep, Shadow, you might have. We can't get you to use it for the kingdom of God. We can't get you to fit in with the vision here. And so in all of that strength that God has given you, it only serves to frustrate because we can't get you in the flow. Is this helping anybody tonight? That's the power of submission. Peter, Peter had a lot of great strengths, but until he would listen to Jesus Christ, he couldn't be transferred into who God wanted him to be. Solomon had a lot of wisdom, but when he began to cross ways with God, God took 10 of the 12 tribes away from him. Submission, folks, is everything in the kingdom of God. You might have the best, I, I don't mean to stay on this for too long, but you may have the best voice. You might have the best ideas. Maybe you can outwork everybody in the church, but if you can't listen. Then it makes it very difficult for us to make the church go forward because God sent us all this way and we can't get you on the boat with us. Amen. But it says here with these people, Jesus told them, he said, the kingdom is there, but you have to stop what you're doing and take hold of it. Right? This treasure is there, but you have to stop what you're doing and get hold of it. When, when Jacob stopped and he began to, to bring what he had, he began to bring his increase to God. Then God began to increase him and everything began to flow and it began to work. But if Jacob had just done his own thing and broken his promise to God, these things wouldn't have turned out so beautiful anymore. 
But when he came and he kept his commitment to the Lord, great things began to come in his life. Can you say amen? Turn with me to Acts chapter 10, if you would, please. Are you with me on a Sunday night? Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion, who was all of the Italian regiment. I guess that's pretty cool, being of the Italian regiment. Forget about it. It says, a devoted man and one who gave his alms generously to the people, and he prayed to God always. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers say prayers and your alms say giving have come up as a memorial before God. Now, Jacob had a memorial, but God has a memorial. God has things that remind him of your goodness. God has things that get his attention. Remind him about you. Your prayers, your giving, your kindness towards people, your giving towards his house. And they, it connected Cornelius with the things of God. Let's read on. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea, and he will tell you, what you must do. Isn't it something? The angel didn't come and say, call Caiaphas and Annas the high priest. They'll, they'll know how you should walk with God. It doesn't, he doesn't name any of the Pharisees of the day. He doesn't name any of the Sadducees of the day. He doesn't name any of the writers of the law of the day. But the fishermen who have been touched by the power of God, heaven said, have that man in to preach. Our terminology. Peter, what was his pulpit? What was his Bible school? The helps ministry for Jesus. In serving is where he took hold of the anointing of Jesus Christ. Rowing the boat. Like we talked about earlier this morning, doing the dues of the ministry, setting up the upper room, going to get a fish with a gold coin in its mouth. I imagine that was a little bit different for Peter. I don't think he had done a whole lot of gold coin fishing before he went to church with Jesus. I love that story about, we talked about this morning about Peter walking on the water because in an instant, his pastor took him past every limitation he had ever known. You walk with a real man of God, he will stretch you beyond everything everybody's ever told you won't work. And in a day, your pastor will smash all of that. Over the course of time, at least for me, the devil was a, was a confrontation, but my own mind would lie to me. Probably my pastor's biggest fight is to get my brain out of my way. And all the limits I had been taught all of my life. You know, Peter, he doesn't have a network 
He doesn't have a marketing team. He doesn't have a website. He has the Holy Ghost in two knees. And he's going to touch Israel with the power of God from the Holy Ghost in two knees. Chapter 10, verse 44, it says this, it says, And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who were in the house. There's no replacing a true Holy Ghost preacher. You're going to get more done in a Holy Ghost night than you're going to get done all year long. All your doubts are going to get smashed. All your unbelief is going to get crushed. When that Holy Ghost preacher stands up and begins to prophesy according to the power of Jesus Christ, everything in your life just begins to change. Don't you think Peter felt, quote, a little out of his element? Aren't you glad Jesus got him out of his element? That he didn't stay the way Jesus found him? The beauty, the beauty. Um, I, I have a study here that was done by on the... Jewish rabbis and the way that they did things. One of the first things they, they'll tell you is that the rabbis never spent time with their disciples outside of the classroom. Jesus did. In the rabbis' teaching, the students always chose the rabbi. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. See, Jesus did things way different than the religion of his day. That's why they couldn't figure this guy out, if I can say the word guy. They can't understand him. He's healing on the very day they say you're not supposed to. Angers them. You're making us look bad. There's one time Jesus turns back to him. He says, who do you think's doing the healing? Is it me? The same God that you're saying I'm not supposed to. He's the one doing the work. Go get mad at him. Peter, Peter's going to get done here talking to the Gentiles. They're going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Jews are going to call him in on the carpet. What do you think you're doing giving the Holy Spirit to these people? He said, well, he's the Holy Ghost. I don't control him. If it was a sin, he wouldn't have done it. That's why your brain has to get out of the way to walk with God. That's why you have to have the renewing of your mind. Think about what we talked about this morning. Matthew chapter, what was it? Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, right? But my father who is in heaven. Isn't it something that the father in heaven didn't reveal it to any of the people in the temple? But to the servant fishermen, he showed them who the Messiah is. You understand, Peter's not a Bible school graduate. He doesn't speak Hebrew in that sense. All of these, quote, weightier matters of the law. All he told Jesus when he met him is, I'm not a good man. I'm sure Jesus said, no joke. Can hear you swearing halfway across the lake, you moron. What's he saying? You don't have to stay this way, Peter. If you want to change, I can help you break out of this. I come to you tonight with the same thing. You don't have to stay the way Jesus found you. You don't have to stay as a failure in life. You don't have to stay beat up in life. You don't have to stay as a fisherman's son. You don't have to stay in the limits 
that your mom and dad and everybody told you, oh, no, you can't. I remember when I went to go sell my trailer and buy my first house, my own father came over to me and said, what are you doing selling that trailer? That's good enough for you. Who do you think you are? It's called the spirit of poverty. My dad, I love him. You know, he, he's, he's dead now. I got him saved barely in his last hours. Actually, a friend of mine did, but you know, he, he was born in 21. The Depression hit in 1929. To his dying day, though, he was a good man, had a good job. He thought like, bought like, saved like it was still the Great Depression. Well, I don't even think he realized it. He told me I couldn't get out of it. My own pastor called me and talked to me about how to work with the banks and how to get out of that house or out of that trailer and into my first home. If I had stayed with the limits that man gave me, I'd still be there. It was my pastor that God used to help break me out of that, to break those limits away from me. Does that make sense to you? I don't know if other people in my family dealt with it. I know I did. I don't think my dad was a bad guy. I think he was telling me what he thought was right. It just wasn't. Does that make sense? I'm ever so grateful for a real man of God coming in my life. I'm ever so grateful for men like Dr. Evans calling me out, laying hands on me, and you have a future, and prophesying over me. I'm ever so grateful for these stories about a guy like Peter, who made mistakes, and who did things wrong, and who, but Jesus didn't give up on him. Amen? Jesus didn't, and here he is, Jesus is, if I can say it this way, long gone in, in natural form. And now the Holy Spirit is saying to people that Peter has never met, have Peter in to preach. Peter knows my spirit. Thank God Cornelius didn't ask for his credentials. What teacher of the law did you sit under? How did you learn to do all of that? I'm sure he'd say, I, I studied under a carpenter. But when Peter walked to church, the believers would lie in the sidewalk with sick people. And the Holy Spirit would work with the fishermen and begin to heal people on the side of the road. That didn't happen when Ananias and Caiaphas came to the temple. But it did when Peter showed up. He took hold of the power of God. I'm going to say it again. Rowing the boat, working in the church, painting the walls, giving, carpeting, vacuuming, all of these little things that we're asked to do isn't for nothing. It's to get you ready for your future and your tomorrows. I hit it last time I was here, so I don't want to really reteach the same sermon, but when Joshua went to war with Amalek and Aaron and her are on the top of the mountain, you ask, you tell me who has the harder duty? Aaron and her holding up Moses' arms? That's a good picture. I preach it all the time. Or Joshua who's fighting for his life. And every time the pastor's arms aren't held up, he, he almost dies in battle. I've thought about that 10,000 times because his duty seems so much more demanding than Aaron and her. 
But as I've studied it out, I've realized Aaron and her are not going into the promised land. Joshua is. Joshua's not only going to go in, but he's going to go in as the commander of the Lord's army. He doesn't realize Moses and God are already getting him ready for his future. They just haven't told Joshua yet. But if he doesn't succeed here, tomorrow never comes. I'll humbly admit I get frustrated sometimes when people who talk about vision and destiny all the time, but they never want to get you ready as a person for your destiny and your vision. As though it's just going to, I don't want to say magically, but supernaturally just fall on you and you have no oper- you have no responsibility to get ready for it. You have to get ready for what God's called you to do. You have to prepare yourself spiritually. There has to be some rug time. There has to be some consecration. You have to pull away from some things. It's like, it's like Jesus said, you, I, I, can, I can do this with you, but you can't do it if you're going to stay in this fishing boat. You're going to have to break away. You have to take the kingdom of heaven as like the, the pearl of great price. You have to walk away from the other things to get a hold of the kingdom of God. doesn't mean you have to leave your job, but in your heart, you have to say, this is worth everything else. He who loves mother, father more than me, Jesus said, Need not apply. Need not apply. Long-haired, freaky people. The proud, the arrogant. The unsubmitted. The unwilling. The rich young ruler. The Judases. Those who would turn back. Heber said, if you if you'll turn back, my soul has no pleasure in you. The quitters. You you know what I'm talking about? There has to be a conscious effort on our end to allow the leadership to disciple us into who Jesus Christ wants us to be. But boy, once you do that, then the angels begin to go out and say, you want to walk with God? That person knows God. Go see that kid. Go see that adult. Go see that. Well, that person, they're not a preacher. doesn't matter. They know the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost will fall when you begin to listen to that person. It's like Stephan. Well, Stephan isn't even a preacher in that church. He's not one of the 12. He, he just takes care of the widows. And great signs and wonders were done by the hands of Stephan. And they could not contend with the spirit of wisdom. God didn't consider him stupid. They couldn't contend with the spirit of wisdom that was upon him. When they went after Daniel to smear him, Daniel was up for a promotion. Um, Daniel 6, I believe it is. He's, he's up for a promotion, and they, they, they go after him, the other people who, who don't want to see Daniel get promoted. I know there's no people like that in your life. I'm talking about me. Hallelujah. They don't want to see Daniel get promoted, so they look his whole life over, and they scrutinize him, and they finally come to this conclusion. They said, you will find nothing against him. We'll have to make up a law. What's that mean? He has so much integrity. He doesn't like us. He doesn't cut corners. He doesn't cheat, he doesn't steal, he doesn't leave the job early, he doesn't steal tools and take them home. Everything he got, he got by the hand of his God. So if you want to get him discredited, we'll have to just smear him. We've got to make something up. For the record, Dr. Barclay nailed it so many years ago, slander is one of the number one tools of the devil of our day right now. It isn't even true, we'll just slander you. Right? 
You, you have some this or that or some whatever bias or whatever it is. No, I don't. I got a Bible. <laughs> I like what Dr. Hagen said. Somebody was talking to them. He's, and they said the Bible wasn't true. He said, well, Jesus said it is. You say it's not. So somebody's lying to me, either you or Jesus. I think I'm going to stay with Jesus. I'm sorry you're not that important to me. Hallelujah. Think about this. Even in our day, they think they can, there's an all-knowing God who knows everything for forever, and they come along and tell you he's wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they say, we're arrogant? You count yourself wiser than God himself? Oh, come on. No. No, I don't think so. God isn't asking this generation to do anything different than he has asked every generation. Come on, come on. To love mercy, to do justice, and to walk humbly with your God. It has been the same way since the Garden of Eden. It is this generation who thinks they can come into the house of God and change the laws of God because they don't like them today. And you can't. We were talking about that in the prayer room. You can't. Dr. Hagen said this way. He said, you can't modernize God. There's only so many ways to get close to God. Prayer, fasting, Bible study, consecration. That's how you get close to God. You can't modernize that with technology. Because you can hop on an iPad or whatever and pull up several verses on the blood. Doesn't mean they're in your heart. It means you're on, they're on the electronic device. It takes some rug time. It takes some denying yourself. It takes bringing your children to the house of God. I need to wrap up. Consider this. Just think about this. The Apostle Paul's brought up on charges. He's in prison. The Jews are plotting how they might kill him, right? A little child, which actually ends up being Paul's nephew, overhears the conversation how they're going to kill the Apostle. He brings, he gets a minute and he talks to Paul on the side. Paul says, take this young man to to the captain. And they devise a plan and they get Paul out of there before the Jews kill him. Remember, they had agreed they wouldn't eat anything. It had to be some great people to go to church with, right? We're not going to eat anything until you die. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and a little kid that nobody thought God would use, who probably got drugged there by his mother, saved the apostle's life because the kid got drugged to church in a sense. I wonder how many books of the Bible got written after that that we will owe a debt of gratitude to that young boy because his mama made him come to church today. Don't you ever feel bad about bringing your kids to church? I'm ever so glad that people bring their kids to church. And for the children's church workers who show up and teach them right from wrong and teach them to love the house of God and to love the man of God, because that's what makes us who we are. Again, all these little details, they all come together. Joshua's being prepared to be the head of the army, and he doesn't even know it. What's God preparing you to do? 
What are you doing with what we've already been given? That if we don't seize this pearl, it's going to be lost. It'll just be left in the field, but we got to take hold of it. Amen. We, we talked about this, and I share this testimony all the time, but Ken Blunt, we're talking about him earlier. You know, he was Nicodemus on the old Gospel Bill show. I asked Brother Blunt one time, I said, you know, did God speak to you? Did you have a great vision to work with children? He said, no, nothing like that. He said, it was an announcement at church. We need help with the kids. So I raised my hand and said, Pastor, I'll help. I'll help. Decades later, he's walking along in Jerusalem to see the holy city. And there's a group of Jewish school children singing a song he wrote for the Gospel Bill show 40 years before. You know how it started? Pastor, I'll help in children's church. And God went. And the wind of God took those songs all over the world. Because a man who had been an alcoholic, whose wife prayed him into the kingdom of God, answered his pastor's call and said, I'll do that. I'll row the boat. I'll go get the fish with the gold coin. I'll take care of those. I'll take those fish and hand them out to the 5,000. I'll leave what I'm doing and I'll make your house important. I'll make it a priority.